Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brett Bowe discuss the New Testament and what it states about the first commandment and the sin of idolatry. Welcome to Being Lutheran. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and with me today I have... Pastor Jason Goodham. Good to see you again, Brett. People don't realize it, but it's been a really long time since we've done this. <laughs> That's right. What have we been doing? Been taking a nap? Yeah. Well, it's hard to explain. Pastors really only work two or three hours a week, right? <laughs> you know, we teach Bible study, we preach, we maybe teach Sunday school. Uh, but we had Christmas going on. Uh, and mm-hmm. this was an especially intense year for pastors as far as Advent and Christmas was because we had Christmas Eve on a Saturday mm-hmm. and Christmas morning was a Sunday morning worship service. Uh, and then uh, we had a lot of things going on in January. I know mm-hmm. I was in St. Louis yep. uh, for some classes, uh, and I'm sure you had a busy January. We had our annual congregational meeting. Yes, that's right. And that so, is over and done. We are recording now. This is early February, so that you guys can know how behind uh, we've been on some of these things. Uh, yeah, a little behind the scenes of being Lutheran. We record usually four or so episodes in a sitting. It's one of the reasons why we do 20-minute uh episodes right. is so that it's uh, a lot less back and forth for all of us to get together and do this. Yep. Yeah, somebody uh, asked me yesterday, do you guys get together every week to do that? Oh, heavens no. <laughs> we we couldn't manage that. We're very grateful for Brian Ricky doing all the time and recording yes. and, and editing it. Uh, and, and you and I are just uh, talking heads at this point in time, <laughs> but uh, we hope... Uh, we're valuable talking heads. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's great. Thanks for, you know, I think that's good for the listeners to hear a little bit of that, to hear what goes on behind the scenes. And so here we are today, and uh, let's talk a little bit about what we have before us today. Well, one of the things we've been talking about in studying the confessions, studying the Lutheran mm-hmm. confessions, uh, we've made it a point to say that this is... It's simply interpretation of what Scripture is already teaching. It's mm-hmm. not we're not inventing something new, and we want to be able to demonstrate that the theology of the confessions, the catechisms, and all the documents in the Book of Concord flows directly from Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so we did last week's episode was on the first commandment from Luther's Small and Large Catechism. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we're going to talk about passages in Scripture that say the same thing that Luther did in the Small and Large Catechism. We're going to be mm-hmm. talking about uh, promoting faith in God, right. Right. Uh, forbidding uh, or prohibiting idolatry, right. and, and all of the applications that we've had from the Catechism, but from Scripture itself, so that you can see the continuity and the consistency. Right, and I like those P words that you use yeah. there of, of prohibiting and promoting. And as we mentioned before in a previous episode, the, with each commandment especially, there's the something that the Scripture is speaking against or prohibiting, and then something that is promoting. And so that's that's a little bit of what we'll be doing today. And so we'll be looking into a, a few Scripture passages about that. And uh, how about we jump in right away to the the first text uh, from Scripture that we'll look at, and this is a text that has to do do with uh, prohibiting what um, what is being prohibited in the first commandment. And uh, I guess before we get to that, maybe we should just repeat that first commandment. Yeah, first commandment: on. you uh, you shall have no other gods before me. And talking about that prohibits idolatry. Mm-hmm. 
but it promotes faith in God. And so we are directed to God in faith because he has eliminated all other possibilities for us to have faith in it. And what we're doing with the scripture passage we're going to be looking at uh, today is that we want to get idolatry the notion of idolatry, I think a lot of us are prone to think of like a tiny wooden statue right. or, you know, a, 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 Buddha. a Buddha. Yeah, exactly. That's really not what we're talking about. Obviously, that's a problem. It was a problem for the Israelites in the Old Testament, constantly being drawn to the gods of the nations surrounding Israel. Mm-hmm. But it's really the principle of idolatry uh, is what we're getting at. And I think you talked about it last week, is what do you fear the most? Mm-hmm. Uh, Or what do you put your trust in when crisis happens? Mm -hmm. And so rather than talk about, you know, Israel wandering to the right or to the left with the gods of the Moabites or the Ammonites or the Hittites or the Egyptians, uh, we're going to jump into the Gospels and we're going to talk about idolatry as described by Jesus Mm -hmm. in a parable. Yeah, that sounds great. And so we're going to be looking at the parable found in Luke chapter 12. And uh, the verses 13 through 21. And should we read that here, Jason? Yeah, I'll, I, you want to read it? Yeah, I'll go ahead and read right. it. Um, Luke 12, 13 through 21. And read in Jesus' name. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter, arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's the ending of that reading there. Yeah, here ends the word. Here, of here God. ends the word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this, there's so much packed into here, so many right. allusions to other parts of scripture to be unpacked. And then just the principles it's talking about is, this is one of my favorite parables. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's humor, uh, kind of satire in there, uh, other things. First thing I want to point out, uh, this isn't precisely about the first commandment. It's actually about the ninth and 10 commandments. Mm -hmm. It's be on guard against all kinds of covetousness, you said. And so it would seem like an unusual passage for us to pick to talk about idolatry, except once you start looking at the whole of Scripture, you realize that Romans 7 calls the sin of coveting the sin of idolatry. Right. And and so the genius of the Ten Commandments as God gives them mm-hmm. to us is what we think of as the throwaway commandment. I mean, mm-hmm. Lutherans, because we don't break up one into two parts like the Correct. Reformed do, uh, the Reformed have, you shall have no other gods, and then commandment number two is don't make any graven images. Mm-hmm. Lutherans have historically seen that as the same commandment. And so to get Ten Commandments, we break coveting up into two commandments. And so we say nine or ten, don't covet. And it's kind of the throwaway commandment. Uh, With with my confirmation students, I say... Don't covet your house or spouse. House or spouse. House or spouse. There you go. You know, those mnemonic devices Mm -hmm. are great, 
But in the end, I think all of us would confess that's the throwaway commandment. Right. You know, that's not a particularly um, convicting sin to fall into because mm-hmm. there's no victim. Mm-hmm. There, there, you know, how are you protecting your neighbor by not coveting, right? It, it happens inside your head. I can't even prove mm-hmm. that coveting happens. But, but you know, the Holy Spirit in the Word of God here is really ramping up the intensity because in Romans 7, mm-hmm. coveting is idolatry. And here we are at commandment number one again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this really is about idolatry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we've said in the past too, breaking any of the commandments is also a breaking of the first as well. So there's that added emphasis as well. Yeah, when you're breaking a commandment, you're really wresting God's divinity away from him and putting it on something else, usually on yourself. When God gives us boundaries and we say, no, I want it to be over here, what we're saying is, I'm God. I'm the one who makes the boundaries. And so, yeah, you're right. Breaking commandment two, breaking commandment five, breaking commandment eight, all breaking commandment one simultaneously. Uh, And so we tie that into it. And and I think it's interesting, the first... Uh, mm-hmm. Example we could have of idolatry here in this commandment, verses 13 and 14, is a misuse of the authority of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the man comes, teacher, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind so of this... calling on God, calling on Jesus to be this cosmic butler, mm-hmm. uh, or in this case, cosmic lawyer, to meet our needs and to protect us when we need him most, mm-hmm. which kind of usually happens when we run out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I appreciate that often these parables of Jesus, masterful parables where he's illustrating and and showing a truth, it starts with a practical question Mm -hmm. that is on the mind of somebody. And Jesus, knowing people, knowing their minds and hearts, he can see the idolatry that, and he speaks to that. And and the lesson from that, and I'm going to get on my high horse and my soapbox here for just a moment, all Orthodox, biblical doctrine is relevant. We have to get that in our heads right now. And I don't mean to be flippant or sarcastic Mm -hmm. when I say that, but nothing chafes me more than for people to treat doctrine as if it's some... Yeah, it's not practical. It's not relevant right now. Well... To put it in the realm of academia or, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, abstraction is to not be doctrine. Doctrine is the truth from Scripture. We've Mm -hmm. already communicated this several times, and here we're seeing Jesus demonstrate that. There's nothing more practical or relevant for us in our present situation here in America, just like in the situation 2,000 years ago when Jesus was talking to this man, Mm -hmm. than the first commandment, than Mm -hmm. your relation to God and God's relation as creator, as sustainer, as provider, and now here with Jesus as redeemer Mm -hmm. to us. Yeah, that's right. Amen to that. And so what does Jesus say to this guy here? He says, don't covet, and then he gives an object lesson and, and tells about this, the the heading in my study Bible, probably in yours too, is the parable of the rich fool. Mm-hmm. And you have this man who's already wealthy, and he's an agrarian. <laughs> he's, a, he's a farmer. Uh, he, he produces plentifully again. And uh, he, he's got so much abundance that he doesn't know where to put it all. This is, mm-hmm. this is kind of like the, the metaphorical example of what Malachi 3.10 is saying. You know, Test me now in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. That verse, which is 
often quoted out of context, I know mm-hmm. I memorized it out of context, is talking about the faithlessness of the Israelites and refusing to tithe. And this is exactly going on. You see a man with abundance, his granaries, his barns mm-hmm. are already full. What should he be doing? Mm-hmm. Giving it away. He yeah. should be uh, blessing the poor and the mm-hmm. oppressed and the less fortunate with his abundance. He's mm-hmm. already got more than enough. If your barns are full, you've already got more than enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, what does he do? Sure, he he wants to hoard and he wants to build bigger barns and and uh, get some more for himself. So his behavior is flowing from what he believes and what he believes about God and about himself. Yeah, and there's your idolatry, mm-hmm. right? Where is his security? It's in that he knows he has enough stuff to sustain him, and not even just to sustain him but to have abundance because the application of where he wants his life to be is he says, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Mm-hmm. And so we see idolatry now and suddenly it starts to get pretty convicting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy for me to be generous maybe when I've got my three months worth of paycheck saved up in the bank so that I know if something happens, I've got enough to pay the mortgage for a few months and things mm-hmm. like that. And even then you're kind of like, I don't know if I want to <laughs> give uh, and where am I putting my trust? I call myself a Christian. Am I a hypocrite? Mm-hmm. Am I doing the precise opposite of what I'm preaching as a pastor, of what I'm believing as a Christian? And the answer in our sinfulness is yes, I am. I am an idolater. Mm-hmm. That's right. And this hits suburbanites. It hits those in rural areas. You know, this is a farmer in the illustration. Yeah. Um, it, you could be living anywhere and, and fall into this. Yeah, and it, it, it really hits American Christianity right yeah. at the heart. But Luther talks about in the catechisms that you don't have to be wealthy to be obsessed and trust mm-hmm. in wealth. The, the poor, too, right. can be obsessed with wealth with not sure. having enough. Yeah, and that makes me think, you know, as I read in verse 15 here, it says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And for me, I've been intrigued by this movement called minimalism. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of it very much, but... I find that the people that aren't Christians that promote that view of owning as few items as you can, or or just owning the only the things that are useful or or add value to your life, I find that even that can be empty, and if it's not connected to, it, it can be like you said with money too. If you are poor, you can be wanting that money, or if you're rich, um, same with the abundance of possessions here. If you have a lot or a little. And, and what you end up happening, at least from the worldly perspective, if you have a min- minimalist for minimalism's sake, make right. sure I get all those syllables out, uh, what you end up happening is they become obsessed with the experience. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, I'm going to probably screw up the terms here. I've, I've done a little bit of reading on this subject. Mm-hmm. The, the people who are so obsessed with experience, you know, the, the minimalists who will go and instead of have possessions, they'll take a three-month trip to Europe or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're called life tourists. They're really just tourists in their own lives chasing one experience after the other experience. And so now here, this is where Luther and the Catechism and where us studying Scripture should take a step back. Mm-hmm. There is nothing wrong in and of itself with being wealthy. Mm-hmm. If God has blessed you in such a way, rejoice and be generous with your wealth. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with uh, not being wealthy. Yep. Now, uh, God has a lot to say about the poor and about poverty, mm-hmm. uh, and God is against poverty. God is against people lacking the basic necessities of life. 
there is nothing against the minimal uh, lifestyle and you know enjoying uh, experience over possessions. Right. There's nothing wrong with any of that in and of itself. When it becomes your idol, mm-hmm. then there's the error. Right, because <laughs> you could read this text and say, "Well, Jesus is just telling us to tear down our barns and give it away, and give it away." And that I think that would miss the point uh, of this parable here. It would be an absolute misapplication of the law because we would remember that commandments four through ten talk about loving your neighbor. And if I were to tear down my barns sell everything that I have, uh, deposit my paycheck directly into my church account rather than my own bank account, I wouldn't be loving my wife, whom I have promised to care for and Mm -hmm. protect. I wouldn't be loving my children, whom I promised to provide for and raise correctly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would be an example as pastor of being a really poor stewardship with the way God has blessed us. Uh, This is daily bread at its finest, Mm -hmm. God providing daily bread. Now, uh, he provides what we need, and he often provides more than what we need so that we can be generous and actually apply the law by loving our neighbors. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and so here in this text, as this man exemplifies idolatry and covetousness, you see it over and over again in these verses where he's talking to himself. And, oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and that's the funny thing, verse 19 he says to my soul, soul? Yeah. Self? <laughs> Self. Yeah, it's like he has a little uh, digital recording device that he's talking to himself. But um, I guess the point I'm making here is this, that idolatry and covetousness takes place in our thoughts and in our, our own heart's musings or reflections. That's where this weed of this sin can take root. And what we see, and this is the logical progression, is that whenever we have an idol somewhere else, mm-hmm. it almost always ends up being us. Mm-hmm. So what you can find your security in your job or in your wealth or in a relationship, and those can become an idol, but really what you're searching for is your own satisfaction, your own mm-hmm. peace, your own contentment. And when we start dealing with terms like peace, and contentment and satisfaction, what we really need to be pointing out is that only God provides that. Only we, find, we only find peace in Christ Jesus. We only find satisfaction in what God can give us and not what we can make for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's an excellent point, and, and that's what Jesus is driving home here in the end of this text that we read, uh, the kind of the punchline, so to speak, in verse twenty. God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. The same soul that he was talking to, talking to himself. The things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And those words there are so rich. They're rich, yeah. Treasure, rich. Uh, And that's, what is that treasure, Jason? Well, and it's a double-edged sword here. Notice what he does first. He calls this man a fool. And in, in my mind, Jesus is making direct application of, I think it's Psalm 14, where it's the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Jesus is effectively calling this rich man an atheist because he has placed his trust in something else other than God. Mm-hmm. And when you place your trust in something else, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are not trusting in God, you are functionally an atheist. And then to be rich toward God is to have faith 
in God. This isn't talking about abundance of works Mm -hmm. or a virtue or anything like that. To be rich towards God is to properly place your trust in God. And so this man is spiritually bankrupt, being an atheist who trusts in himself and his possession. Mm -hmm. Uh, If he was rich towards God, he would have faith that God would provide for his daily needs. He would be generous with his possessions. Uh, He would find his security and peace, not in absence of conflict or stress in his life, but find security and peace in reconciliation with God, in forgiveness of sins, and in the promise of eternal life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm thinking here as well, Colossians 2, 3, uh, in in Christ are hidden all the treasures Mm. of wisdom and knowledge. And so that points us back to Christ. Absolutely. Well, that sounds like a, a great place to end this episode. Yeah, well, you got to end when you end, right? We've gone through the whole passage. Uh, There's so much there. We could probably spend another five, six episodes talking about this. Mm -hmm. But from the perspective of idolatry, this is what's at stake for us. You know, if we're to see ourselves in the text here, we are the rich fools. God has blessed us abundantly. We have been selfish. We have been idolatrous. We have been functional atheists with our actions Uh, But the good news for us today is that the person speaking this parable is Jesus Christ. He's the one who has reconciled us to God, who has died on the cross for our sins, and whom we find all of our forgiveness. Amen. Hi, and thank you for joining us on Being Lutheran. Please check us out on the web at beinglutheran.com. Join us next episode as Pastor Jason and Pastor Brett continue their discussion on the sin of idolatry. 